Hello, my loves, and welcome to the podcast, All Things Empath. I am your host and healing mentor, Laura Ann, and I created All Things Empath to be a space where sensitives and empaths can come and receive guidance, love, and support on their own healing and empowerment journeys. Whether with just me or one of my guests, we show up in vulnerability to share our own stories and insights with the intention of creating a network of support for you, dear listener. Because feeling all the feels, healing from past trauma, old patterns, and learning how to navigate and fully step into your sensitivity superpowers can feel super confusing and sometimes, honestly, super lonely. But you are not alone. There are more and more of us sensitives and empaths waking up every day. And the work you're doing to heal yourself and claim your power is the work that will transform not only you, but the entire world. And it's why we're here. So I invite you to join me on this sacred journey of self-discovery, self-love, and self-healing. We'll laugh, we'll cry, and we'll do it all together. I am so happy you're here. Enjoy. So we are at the end of another week, and here in the States at least, we're looking ahead at a a lovely long holiday weekend, a three-day weekend, and I'm really excited about it. I've had a week full of family and work, and I feel really fulfilled and also tired, and so definitely looking forward to some R&R and some me time as we move into the weekend. And when I was feeling into what to talk with y'all about this week, something really certain and strong came through and that was around, is around our inner child and inner child healing. You know, we as empaths and sensitives, really, we tend to have a, a very deep connection with children and with animals, actually. And very often, kids will flock to us and love us and trust us, and it's the same with animals. I, um, in Austin, for many years, had a house call practice for massage, and that was one of the most common things that I heard going into someone's house for the first time to give them a massage was like, wow, my dog never likes strangers, or I've never seen my cat come out for a stranger before, or, you know, like, oh, my kid doesn't usually get curious about strangers or won't let people hold them, or, you know, it's just, or their their kid, like, wants to play with me and, like, show me all the things, and <laughs> it's just that was unusual, and uh, especially with animals, because they were usually around when I was, was coming to do the work. That was pretty consistent feedback right out of the gate. It was like, whoa, my animal loves you. That is highly unusual. <laughs> and I bet, you know, you have some similar experiences as well because it's one of the reasons, uh, you know, it's one of our gifts. It's one of the reasons empaths and sensitives tend to uh, be gravitate towards professions that have us working with animals or working with kids and, and why we make such great teachers. And, um, you know, that is, I think because animals are empaths, you know, in their own way, like they, um, in many ways, I guess animals are empaths and, and dogs especially, and children are as well. You know, it's, 
it's before these these little people, these kids, um, have learned to guard up and to numb out. And there's this like, I, I guess, this vibe of like seeing like when we meet a child that puts them at ease right away. And, and as empaths and sensitives too, we're more in tune with and attuned to energy and emotion. And so we tend to see kids and acknowledge their agency and their perspective in and their presence more fully than they often receive in general from from the outside world and from from adults um, maybe not their primary caregivers but adults in the world in general and and that is a natural gift that we have as empaths and sensitives and we have this gift of of seeing of love and compassion that we exude that you know for animals and children feels really good i guess would feel good for anyone but um there is a there is a special connection there i think between empaths and sensitives and and animals and children and it's one of our gifts that can bring immense value to our families to our jobs to the world but it can also be turned towards ourselves and help us with our inner child and doing our inner child work and our own healing work on our healing and empowerment journey. And when we think about, I talk about this a lot, you know, how empaths and sensitives were forged in the fire of trauma. And you you may have heard me talk about this in the past. I think I go into a little more detail around that and the episode on the nervous system for empaths. And there's a little bit of a debate, you know, kind of like the chicken or the egg or nature versus nurture. But ultimately, I think it's both. And what's really important is that trauma has played a huge role in our gifts and how we've learned to survive. So our patterns of action and reaction, both internally and externally, are directly related and correlative of our trauma. And, you know, the trauma that's had arguably the biggest impact on us and how we're wired is from childhood. You know, we can and do experience trauma over our entire lives, but how we learn to survive and react as children actually determines how we're wired. And it sets up those survival patterns that keep coming up again and again and again. So, you know, that feeling of like, oh man, I've been here before. I've seen that tree, like in a relationship or like with yourself. Um, you know, I can think of so many different patterns Um in the past that I've really shifted out of, but for example, not listening to my own needs and people pleasing in relationship and getting to that place in a relationship where I realize the person I'm with doesn't even know me. Like they don't even fucking know who I am because I've been so terrified that they're going to reject me that I've been trying to show up as this perfect person and have been meeting all of their needs without even a care in the world for my own. And, and so then one of two things has happened historically. Either 
I continue in that way and then it continues to be unsustainable and then I stop wanting to be with them because I'm so exhausted and then I invent drama or reasons for us to break up. Um, Some of them legitimate because often this was happening in relationship with narcissists as well because they love a good people pleaser and someone who isn't meeting their needs. Um, That's a story for another day. Uh, But the other thing that would happen would be, you know, starting to communicate the needs and trying to step out of the pattern of people pleasing. And they're like, what is this? Who is this? This isn't what I signed up for. This isn't who I wanted to be in relationship with. This isn't how you've been showing up. And, you know, then things would uh, go south uh, as well. Again, often because the people I was in relationship didn't know how to have healthy, non-codependent relationships. Um, But I give those examples to say, you know, these were patterns that were very deeply ingrained in me. And I I remember that I know, and it happens in other ways now too. Those are just two top of mind in relationships. That feeling of, um, let's give another one. So uh, one of the ways that I now numb in sobriety and I mentioned this before, is with food and with binge-watching shows. And so I can feel myself when I'm going into a kind of a numbing out, dissociative trauma response, triggered state. And it's like my brain shuts off, but I can kind of see it happening. And I go into this state where that's all I can do. And I know it's happening, and I can see it happening. Um and, and I know that I've been there before and, and it feels like I've been in that same place before, even though it's a different place because, you know, as I talked about before uh, in the last episode, healing isn't linear. So those patterns, those cyclical kind of things that are just the way that we react and the way that we respond, and it's like our go-to wired response for feeling stress, for feeling overwhelmed, for feeling fear those patterns were wired in childhood and they were wired because of the trauma that we experienced as children. And, you know, one of the most powerful practices and methods that I have personally worked with myself and with my clients to help shift inner reality and outer experience of reality and to, to kind of disrupt that cycle of that survival pattern and, and responses has been inner child work. And, you know, those patterns, they, they exist. Again, I always love to remind folks of this. And, I, and when I say remind folks, I always include myself in that list. And I always include former versions, past versions of myself in that list. Um, remind folks that there's nothing wrong with you for having developed those survival patterns. Like you developed them because you needed them and you're here today in part because of them. So just take a moment of gratitude that you have this incredible, resilient mind, body, and spirit that loves you and wants to protect you and works really hard to do that and has created all of these different patterns of how you can relate and show up in the world to protect you and keep you from harm. And then it's our job uh, to, to step into deeper and greater awareness as our healer selves and start to learn, well, where are these patterns that were created to help 
and protect and to allow me to have my best chance at survival, where are those survival patterns now in my life as it is no longer serving and often actually even causing harm for myself and for my relationships and for my life. And um, inner child work is one of the ways that I've seen some really huge results with that. And so I would love to share some ways for y'all today on how you can start doing this work with yourself. So my intention here is to give you some tools to help you just create some space to connect with your inner child and begin to heal your relationship with them and begin to learn how to practice stepping into your healer self. And that's a really practical way of practicing radical self-love and compassionate honesty, as well as radical responsibility for yourself and for your healing. And um, those are concepts I've talked about in previous episodes, and I will definitely dive more into them in the future, but they're absolutely foundational to my methodology and approach to coaching and um, to my methodology and approach to my own healing and empowerment journey as well over the last many years. So all of that to say uh, that we will be stepping into working with our inner child and our healer selves today. So what does that even mean? Uh, this concept of healer self. So as we do this work, it's just getting into that frame of mind as a regular thing is really, really helpful and powerful of being in connection with your healer self and really embodying your healer self. Every single one of us, excuse me, I have allergies a little bit. I'm going to have a sip of tea here. So every single one of us has an inner child and every single one of us has a healer self and your inner child is connected to your past self and your healer self is connected to your future self and your higher self. So inner child connected to past version of you, healer self connected to future version of you and highest version of you. So it's really important in doing this work that with your inner child that you first connect with and channel your healer self so that you can actually hold space for your inner child to heal without kind of re-traumatizing yourself or getting in the shit as you are now. So it would be like if I were to go into a counseling session with a, with a counselor, a therapist, or psychologist, <clears throat> pardon me, and in that session with this professional mental health worker, I start sharing a traumatic experience from my childhood, and their reaction is like super dramatic, and they're obviously really affected, and they're crying and rolling like moaning and you know like touching their heart and beating their chest and pulling their hair and taking the tissues and blowing their nose and throwing the tissue box across the room and saying why 
this wrong? I can't believe that happened. Or, you know, like blubbering uncontrollably, not being able to speak. Like you would leave that session going, first of all, what the actual fuck, right? That would be super, super intense. Way bananas. Um, And secondly, you wouldn't have received therapeutic benefit from that experience because rather than holding space for you as the client to process and to share and to heal through that traumatic experience that you were in a sense reliving because you're communicating it to somebody else um they were in that with you experiencing it with you rather than holding space for you And so that's the difference between doing this work and just diving in without creating space and channeling healer self versus really taking some time to set it up with the right container within yourself to get you just the most powerful results, quote unquote, I hesitate to use the word results, but to to give you the most potent healing experience possible, yes, but also... um, just prevent re-traumatizing yourself or hurting yourself or creating a situation that feels so uncomfortable that you're not going to want to go back and do the work again. Because this is work that needs to be done consistently for it to really be effective and be integrated at deeper levels. There's a lot of stuff we got to work through. So the, the good intention and um, outcome from connecting with and channeling your healer self is you're going to see it's just going to feel better and it's going to work better <laughs> and then it's more likely for you to come back and to do it again so all of that to say it's a really vital part of the work and to connect you're like okay Lauren, it's that's great like <laughs> what are you even talking about how do we do that um so connecting with and channeling your healer self uh it's it's really it can vary and you're going to start to feel into what is the best sort of resonant way for you to do this for yourself. I'll offer you up some things you can start with and play around with to see how they feel for you, Uh, but give yourself permission to experiment and give yourself permission to come up with something I haven't even mentioned. If it feels right, if you get an intuitive hit of trying something differently, follow your intuition. You know yourself better than anybody else. You know better than me what is going to work for you. So I'm just going to offer you up a couple of options and then you can take it from there. So one thing you can do is to visualize your healer self. If your healer self was manifested in physical form in front of you, what do they look like? What are they wearing? How do they speak? How would they look at you? What would they say to you? How would they feel about you? If they had an office, what would their office look like? So play around with asking those questions and visualizing actual physical manifestation of your healer self as a way to connect with them. I mentioned that your healer self is connected to your future self and your higher self. And one of the things I did for a while, uh, there was this app that would allow you to take a photo and edit it to look like 
the old person version of you. Uh, so I have a photo of, it looks like me at the age of like 85. <laughs> it's so powerful. Uh, I'm smiling. I don't know if you could hear it in my voice. I'm like smiling, just thinking about it. I'm such a gorgeous old lady and I like can't wait to meet her. Um, but you know, she, that is something that you could try out too. Unfortunately, I don't remember what the name of the app is, but I'm sure you could search around and find it. Um, but, or even just use your imagination, right. To project what would I look like as an, as an older version of myself to help you connect to your healer self. Um, you can also just set an intention. And I know I've talked about this before. I think this is going to be an area of another podcast focus, um, of another episode down the line, because it is so powerful and it's a huge part of what makes energy work work. And, um, it's, it's the part of the currency, pardon my pun, (laughs) part of the currency of energy work and the way that things just work in the universe is that energetic power of intention. So setting the intention, uh, keep a couple of things in mind. You can, you can set the intention while asking help from your guides. And you could say something like, you know, guides, please help me now anchor it in this present moment. Please help me now as I connect with and channel my healer self to help me hold space to heal my inner child. You could say that once you could say that a few times. You could say that while setting the space burning sage or lighting a candle, whatever feels good to you to help you feel the, the energy, the powerful energy behind setting that intention. Um, you could also say something, something like, you know, I am connecting with and channeling my healer self so that I can hold space for my inner child or whatever resonates and feels good to you. Just use, use your own words when we use our own words and our own way of speaking, it, it really does make a difference and makes it feel more connected, more resonant and more powerful. And, you know, remember you can revisit this intention and remind yourself of it, reminding yourself as you go through this work, healing your inner child, um, that you are showing up as your healer self. It's a touchstone, that intention, it's setting the dynamic It's setting the tone and the space of this work that you're about to do. And it's always there for you. It's a support. It is uh, always there for you to lean on. So if things ever start to feel a little shaky or dodgy or whatever as you go through, uh, that's why sometimes I like having a candle lit or putting on a piece of clothing or a piece of jewelry as a reminder, as a literal touchstone to an intention when I'm doing something like this, because I can bring my gaze, my vision in my field of vision back to that candle, or I can actually physically touch the necklace that I'm wearing or wrap the shawl tighter around myself as a reminder of the intention. And I'm showing up as my healer self to help hold space for my inner child. And you can always revisit that intention at any time. And anytime you bring your mind back to it, you know, energy goes where awareness flows. So every time you bring your mind and your awareness back into intention, then it's like a battery that's been recharged. 
So that intention is going to zhuzh up and really feel stronger for you again. Okay, so the actual work of what does it look like to work with your inner child? So one thing you can do is to actually write a letter to your inner child, telling them what they need to know, telling them what you wish someone would have told you. A good way to start with this is, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. And just remembering as you go into this work, channeling and connecting with your healer self, that that means you're really holding yourself with compassion and being gentle and accepting just like you would with a child. And we'll get to that here in a few minutes. Um, This can feel surprisingly emotional. It sometimes, you know, getting started with this work, (laughs) it's like, wow, the waterworks are starting already. You know, it, it can feel at the beginning, especially if this is the first time you've done this kind of work, if you're newer, in stepping onto your own healing and empowerment journey, this work is powerful and you're going to feel it and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. It's a part of the work is giving yourself permission to feel everything that comes up for yourself, giving yourself permission to cry, to laugh, to yell, whatever it is, because that's what you need to do. Whatever is coming up for you is how you need to react. Maybe it's a way you needed to react that you were never able to do before. And that energy is just just stuck and hold, hold up and creating so much angst and suffering within your mind, within your body, within your spirit. And that's a part of the healing work is having emotional releases. And often, you know, there's a sense of, Oh, this is silly. I, you know, telling myself, I love you no matter what, shouldn't make me blah, de blah, de blah, de blah. But it does. And that's okay. And so, just a gentle reminder to you, my love, as you go into this work, it's okay to feel whatever you feel. Give yourself permission to go there. Give yourself permission to go there as you're holding yourself as a healer as well. Um, so just let, let the words flow, let it out. You probably have a lot to say. <laughs> you probably have a lot to say in this letter to your inner child. Um, and probably those words have been, have been trapped in there just waiting for an outlet. And once you've, you've written the letter, then I invite you to read it to your inner child. And I'll get into how you can connect with your inner child now, because that's part of it. So creating a connection with your inner child, setting that intention as my healer self, I'm reaching out to make a connection with my inner child and then just see what comes up first depending on who you are and the way you learn and the way your brain is wired, 
It may be a specific visual memory that is uh, an actual like mind movie. It may be a smell. It may be a sound. It may be a picture that is a frozen still frame rather than things in motion. We all have our own unique ways of remembering and, and traveling in time basically is what we're doing, right? Through our own mind and our own experience. Um, So just see what happens. See what comes up when you set the intention of making a connection with your inner child. And then start to invite some inquiry and and, uh, ask some questions for yourself specifically to help solidify that connection. If you are to picture your inner child, how old are they? What are they wearing? If it feels challenging to visually make a connection in your own mind's eye, then I invite you to find a photo of you as a child um, that you either really like and have fond feelings for or memories of. Uh, For me, I have this photo of little five-year-old Laura Ann spinning um, in her little white Mary Jane patent leather shoes with her little frilly fold over lace socks in my favorite blue dress. And it was the best twirly dress. I loved to twirl in that dress. And there's this photo of me like very committed to the twirl, (laughs) very concentrated and focused on the twirl. And I'm just so happy. I could just, you can see that that is just, I'm in, in the moment and just in brilliance Um, and so that is a photo that I will use to help me connect to my inner child. And, you know, you can play around with different photos if one doesn't resonate right off the bat. And if you don't have access to a lot of photos, then, you know, just open, open your mind, open your heart and ask for help from your guides to help you connect with your inner child and see what comes up. Because again, it's going to be different for everyone. And if it doesn't feel super easy the first go around, that's okay too. Just keep going and just keep trying. So once you feel like you've connected with your inner child, you want to create a space for your inner child to have safe interactions with you and to connect with you. And so you're setting up this space in your own mind's eye. Um, These are things that I will be offering as um, little guided meditations to do inner child work. Uh, if you aren't already, definitely get on the uh, email list for Sensitive Collective. Um, and you can do that. I'll link that in the notes of this episode so that as I create more and more resources for, uh, for y'all, you won't miss them. You'll be sure to get them and uh, make sure you know, you'll know you always have access to the newest episodes as they come out. But what you'll do. And and so I mentioned the meditation to say, you know, you don't want to do this, like waiting in line at the grocery store, right? That's kind of obvious, but still, I feel like it's good to say, be somewhere where you can sit and feel safe closing your eyes and, you know, be in a good space for yourself as you create space to work with your inner child. So ask your inner child after you've created some of that connection with them through the previous exercise, Um, Ask them, where do you feel safe? Where do you want to interact with me? Where should we hang out? And allow that place to surface in your mind's eye. Um, 
if it doesn't surface right away, again, just like you were doing with the connecting to the inner child, you might ask your guides for help. You might ask an ancestor for help, uh, whatever feels good to you to figure out where it is you want to create the space to work with them. And it's all within your mind's eye. It's all your inner reality using the visualization and imagination that is this incredible creative force that is your mind, that is your spirit within your body. So when you find that place, call, call it into your mind's eye and notice the details. Really you know, allow yourself to enter the space and notice where is your inner child in that space. How are they in the space? What are they doing in the space? How are they sitting? Are they standing? Are they playing? Are they hiding? For me, when I first started doing this work, and it's now shifted, and I have we have a few places that will go, but um, it was at first it was always my childhood bedroom in England. Um, I think because, well, that's another story. Um, I, I just felt safest there. I was away for, from some people that weren't safe uh, when we moved to England. And, you know, uh, I would be, my inner child would be hiding under the bed when I first went there to meet with her. And it took a lot um, of time and pro, not too much, but it took some time and practice of this to get to the place where she wasn't hiding right out of the gate when I came in, right? And she would be waiting for me, excited. And um, But I think it's important just to, to get a feel for what's up with your inner child, where are they at, so you can meet them where they're at and get a read on, on their energy and, and what they're going to need from you and how you can best show up for them. So ask them what they need from you. That is the next thing. Once you are in that space with them in your mind's eye and you see them in the room, you know, if they are under the bed, you might ask, you know, do you want to stay under there and I'll sit on the floor and talk to you? Or would you be okay coming out to talk to me? And just like you would with a kid, right? In, in the outside external reality, we don't want to force them. We don't want to drag them out from under the bed, right? It's about just meeting that inner child with such deep love and such compassion. That's a part of the healing work. So then ask them what they need from you. And this can look like a short conversation and it can be a longer conversation where you're having to ask a lot of questions because they give you one word answers. You know, it really just depends on you, who you were as a kid, who you are now. And I just invite you again to explore this experience with your inner child with curiosity and compassion. And for me, eventually it was a really beautiful situation where my inner child would sit on my lap and let me hold her and let me hug her. And I would tell her the things that she needed to hear from me. Um, So that might be something that you get back when you ask, what is it that you need? It might be really simple. Like I just need love. And, and then you would ask, okay, well, what would feel the most loving for you right now? What can I do for you that would help you feel that now? 
and they'll tell you. It's amazing. And it's, it sounds as like, I don't know, I feel like if I were hearing all of this for the first time and I never experienced it myself, I would, I might be a little incredulous, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but as you get into that deep meditative state with this work, and you really are creating that space for yourself and tapping into your unique brilliance as an empath, tapping into your sensitivity superpowers. This is one of the reasons we are the way we are. So we can do work like this for ourselves and you know to help shift the reality of the world as we heal. Um, so, you know, just, it's kind of like when you're watching a movie that's so out there that it couldn't possibly be real. But while you're watching the movie, you believe it to be true. It's the same thing. That suspension of disbelief. Give yourself the gift of that while you're going through this. If it starts to creep up, if your inner critic or other voices start to question and doubt and pull you out of that space, just practice letting it go. Just like in meditation, like I'm just not available for that right now. And then bring your focus and your awareness back into the space with your inner child. So whatever it is they need from you, follow through with it. If it's something that's happening immediately in that space that you've created for the two of you, do it. Uh, It could be something that is an action that is going to happen in the real world once you're no longer in that space with them. Do it. Follow through with it. Maybe it's, you know, coming back more regularly. Do it. Follow through with it. Create time on your calendar to do inner child work so that you're not abandoning your inner child and you're making sure to come back and see them again. Because so much of healing your inner child is about rebuilding trust with yourself and creating a space where your inner child feels safe. And that happens with consistency and follow through. That's what makes me feel safe. So it's what makes your inner child feel safe as well. Um, you know, and, and this, I think it's rooted in, it's easy to, to drop off on the follow through piece because it is rooted in trauma and it's, it can feel a little bit tricky at first because it's, it's a little bit of a catch 22 feeling of like, you know, the very thing that can prevent my healing is the very thing that I need to heal. Um, Oh, I think I might sneeze. Allergies are real here in Asheville, North Carolina, y'all. Even my cats have allergies right now. It's kind of sad, but it's also kind of adorable. Little kitty sneezes. Okay, what was I saying? Ah, yes. Um, you know, the, the self-sabotage, self-harm, and self-abandonment that we've experienced throughout our life is rooted in the very trauma that we want to heal with our inner child. And a part of that is not self-abandoning with them and not self-sabotaging and hurting ourselves by not following through on the needs and not consistently doing this work. So the more you're able to, to follow through and, and create some consistency with this practice and what comes out of it, the, the deeper and more integrated the results 
and the experience you're going to have. So there'll come a point through this where it feels like it's time to end this practice. And at that point, always make sure to say goodbye and to set up a time when you're going to come back both for yourself and for them. Again, for that consistency, for that accountability, for that, that rebuilding of trust and safety. So then you'll put that, that uh, space intentionally into your heart, just really intentionally with your mind's eye and can even verbalize to your inner child, like I am putting you in this space in my heart and I will always be here for you and I will come back tomorrow or a week from now to check in with you and tell you about whatever, whatever, right? Whatever's come up in your conversation. So, you know, again, it's not one and done. (laughs) I I invite you to really set that intention for yourself of whatever feels, whatever feels accessible. And that's going to be different again for everybody. So depending on where you are in your own journey, what your life is like, your schedule is like, how much you time you even have between kids and family and job, you know, it may look like once a week for some folks. It may look like once a day or every other day for some folks. So just feel into what would feel good. What do I want to do? And then try it out for seven days and then reassess and see if you want to continue with that frequency. If you want to dial it up, if you want to dial it down and then set that intention for the next seven days and then reassess, tune in. Do I want to dial it up? Do I want to dial it down? Do I need to do it more? Do I need to do it less? And then set that intention for the next seven days. And then again, check in with yourself, reassess, you know, and that's how we start to create new habits. And that's how this becomes really a practice rather than something that you just did one time that maybe helped, but didn't actually shift anything and create bigger ripple effects of change and transformation for yourself. Um, so that all together is one way of doing healing work with your inner child. And that piece at the very beginning where I was talking about creating a connection with your inner child as your healer self, um, you can do that after you've written the letter to your inner child. If that was the thing that really resonated with you and you're like, I don't know about this visualization technique, Lorian, that sounds kind of (laughs) too much to start that's okay. Start with a letter. So you'll start with a letter and then you'll just connect with your inner child to read the letter to them. Um, I find, you know, if you wanted to try creating a space for the inner child to be in for you to read the letter, that that can feel really supportive and good. But again, just, you know, see what works for you, see what resonates. And so those are two options, the the reading of the, the writing and the reading of the letter. And then, um, you know, connecting with your inner child, creating the space and having that conversation to find out what they need from you. Because again, you know more than anyone else what it is you need. And your inner child, they know exactly what they need from you. We just have to create the space for them to be able to tell us what they need. Another thing you can do as you work with healing your inner child is allow them some playfulness. Um, man, it, it can feel so serious to be a grown up in the world. Um, and we have so many real responsibilities and obligations and things that we need to do in, in adulting and doing all the things. But when we're doing inner child work, 
it's so helpful to create space for play. And it's something that can make this work feel easier and more joyful. And I think it's a very important part to remember as we're on our healing and empowerment journey as empaths and sensitives that it doesn't all have to be difficult. It doesn't have to feel like struggle. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be fun and uplifting and enjoyable. Healing can feel good. So um, that is something to keep in mind as well. It's just creating some space for play. And again, play is going to look different for all of us. Uh, for me, that looks like you know running in nature, out in going to the dog park with my dogs and being out in the trees and swimming in natural bodies of water and being silly and giggling. And, you know, this is, (laughs) feels a little embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it. I still like to play dress up. (laughs) I'm turning 40 later this year and I still love to dress up and I allow myself, I don't really do it as much as I, I did when I was on that the, the densest part of my inner inner child healing journey. But I created play dates for myself to dress up and play pretend. And it was at first, there was a, of course, I felt kind of silly. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> make sure all the blinds are closed. So nobody can see me prancing around in my princess dress with my crown on. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, I think, a really vital part of the entire process. And Uh, So, you know, maybe for you, more play is getting your tools out and building something, creating something, building a fort out of cushions. Um, You know, if you have kids or you work with kids, it's a great opportunity to give yourself permission to play and have some fun, not just as the facilitator of their fun, but to really get in there and have fun yourself. Another thing you can do is keep a journal uh, and or audio notes about this journey. And I highly recommend doing this in whatever way feels, again, accessible to you and doesn't, you know, make it feel like so much work that you don't, you just stop doing all of it. Uh, But it, it can sometimes be, not always, but often, an essential piece of the process and really deepen the integration of the healing experience of the work that you're doing to be able to, you know, actually write it down or verbally process it. Because again, when we're in the moment and we're interacting with our child, our inner child, we're in the space of being our healer self. So I'll go back to the analogy of the the inner child being the client and the healer self being the therapist, Uh, therapists are going to take notes after the session. They're going to come to their own conclusion. They're going to connect the dots. They're going to do a little work outside of the treatment room so that the next time they have a session with that kid, maybe they'll be better able to facilitate a breakthrough. Maybe they'll know a question to ask that they wouldn't have known before. And so that's one lens to, to view this practice through of journaling or processing through audio notes, whatever that experience was as your healer self with the inner child is so you can show up as, as a really empowered healer for yourself. So 
whatever you do with that, again, it should feel resonant. So for me, I really like to write, but sometimes when I'm in the bath, stuff will come up and I love using the audio notes feature on my phone. So just play around and give yourself permission to see what feels good as a way to process everything that comes up as you're doing this work. So I think I mentioned earlier in talking about all of this, that this is one of our gifts, right? That being an empath, being a sensitive, that, you know, this definitely falls into the realm of sensitivity superpowers. And a part of that, because we feel such um, affinity and connection with animals and kids, it's also we're, we're, it's easier for us to connect with our own inner child and we can tap into that with other people. So this has been something that I've played around with and have seen some pretty incredible shifts in the way I show up in relationship and then just the reality of the relationship dynamics in my world, in my, in my family, in my work, and in my community. So you might like to do what I've done and I invite you to, to try it out and see how it feels, which is playing with projecting that inner child work, the concept of it, the feeling of it onto other people. And the way that that works is again, shifting into really being in the space of, of compassion and stepping more into your healer self and shifting how you're showing up in relationship to others when they're being not so great. (laughs) When they're acting out, when they're being reactive, maybe when they're triggered. Uh, If it's someone that's in relationship with you, maybe they're yelling at you. Maybe they have another survival pattern that's been triggered and um, they're dissociating and they're not really listening to you. They're not fully present. Maybe a survival pattern is giving you silent treatment. Um, You know, whatever that ickiness is that is being kind of reflected at you by someone you're in a relationship with. And it could be a complete stranger. It could just be like, I don't know, some, some dick at the gas station who's throwing a temper tantrum about whatever and you're caught in a crossfire, right? So whatever the situation is, if you start to feel that you're being activated and, you know, you want to, uh, obviously assess like (laughs) the first half, the gas station example, like, am I safe? Do I need to get into my car and lock the door? Like definitely listen to your nervous system. It's wired that way for a reason. But once you've kind of determined, you know, actually, no, I am safe. Like for example, if you're in a, um, in a argument with your partner and you're at home and this is a partner that you're not actually afraid is going to hurt you. Right. And you feel safe, um, to then start to shift, like if they're being triggered, if they're in that place of, of being activated and you start to feel yourself being activated, breathe, breathe through your nose and out through your mouth, do that straw breath that I've talked about in through your nose for a few counts out through your mouth for a few counts as though you were, uh, blowing like bubbles in your milkshake with a straw. So do straw breath and shift into seeing them as their inner child and connecting 
with their inner child. You can still have boundaries. You can still have and communicate your boundaries. Um, but it's, you know, creating a little bit of space for some reflection and some compassion and connection before reaction. And for me, you know, I saw a really huge shifts in my relationship with my father when I started connecting to his inner child and it just felt so heartbreaking some of the discoveries I had with that work around what his inner reality was and what must his childlike have been and or what must his uh, childhood have been like I didn't know some of that from stories but just energetically from my heart connecting with his inner child it's a really powerful experience and it helps me show up with so much more compassion and understanding and helps me show up as a better version of myself when i'm envisioning this hurt person who might be lashing out at me as a kid so rather than you know reacting in a similar way or in my own way that is rooted in my own survival patterns when I'm when I'm connected with someone's inner child it it's going to be much more likely that that I come to it from a place of love and that's where we start to see really incredible resolutions and really incredible insights coming up or revelations I, I should say revelations and insights coming up within our relationship is when we both stop just reacting to each other and someone is able to hold space for the other person and dive a little deeper, um, that's healing happens. Healing happens. Um, it's a whole other conversation if it feels like, uh, you know, you're the only person who can ever do that in your relationship. And these are, these are other questions and other conversations around what does your relationship dynamic look like and, um, is it, are you falling into uh, something that I've talked about in the in empath relationships episode, you know, how easy it is to fall into that. I'm a savior. I'm your healer kind of dynamic within relationships. But this one specifically, I think it's applicable in all relationships. It doesn't have to be a romantic one. And I've seen it to, to be really, really helpful. And, um, when it's done, under with the understanding that you still get to have boundaries right so like seeing someone's inner child doesn't mean oh they're just a kid and you excuse their behavior right because that's not good parenting you still want to be able to have teachable moments (laughs) you still want to be able to communicate like actually that's a boundary that you crossed or whatever it is um but the way that we communicate that and the way that we interact is going to look different when we're envisioning someone's inner child rather than the grown-ass man who is acting like a baby, right? It's like, it just shifts the energy and the dynamic of that interaction. And I found it to be um, really amazing to see the shifts that come out of that. So, um, yeah, I think that, yeah, I'm just looking at my notebook, turn the page, and the next page is blank. That pretty much sums it up. Um, and I hope that you found this helpful. I, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, um, inner child work has been something that has made one of the biggest impacts 
on my healing journey with myself. And some of the most noticeable shifts as I've gone through that healing journey in the way that I show up with and for the people in my life. So I'm excited for you stepping into this. I'm proud of you for showing up and wanting to do this work. It takes great courage to do this work. It takes great courage to do this work. And I know it can feel scary and uncomfortable, um, but the definition of courage isn't not feeling afraid or worried or nervous. The definition of courage and bravery is feeling some fear and some trepidation and taking action anyway. So I'm very proud of you for saying yes to expansion, for saying yes to empowerment and to healing and creating and co-manifesting a new version of yourself, of your inner world and of your outer reality. Because again, that's why we're here as empaths, as sensitives, is to fully embody those sensitivity superpowers and allow them to absolutely transform us and so transform the world around us. It's such important work and I'm just so grateful that you're here doing it with me. I love you. I think you're amazing. And as always, I'd love to tell you that you're doing the best you can where you're at with what you've got. And I love you.